And I'm Nikisha, and this is Talking Horror with Jamie. And Nikisha. Where we share our love for spooky things and talk horror through the lens of human behavior. Welcome, everyone. (laughs) So many fireworks, so many things, so many electronics. Oh, my God. Today, we're talking about (laughs) the 2023 (laughs) supernatural horror film, Five Nights at Freddy's. Come on, I want you to meet the others. Mike, this is Bonnie, Foxy, and Chica. This, this is a joke, right? I mean, there's someone here. There's got to be somebody controlling them, right? I mean, they just want to play. We have to go home now. Come on. Hold on. Thank you for playing with me. Wait, okay, Abby, come on. I just have to say that for the five stars, please. Oh, yes. No, I understood. <laughs> okay, uh, good. And actually, for, for those of you who are keeping track at home, uh, welcome to season six of Talking Horror. Oh, my um, gosh. Seasons mean nothing. Uh, we <laughs> just season do them. Six, six, six. Season Uh-oh. six, six, six. Uh, seasons mean nothing because they're just for me to stay organized. Uh, we still release episodes a lot. So um, thanks for joining us uh, on our journey through um, these horror movies. I believe this uh, is our uh, 123rd episode that we've done. Okay. I thought you were going to say 126 for the sixth season. I'm so sorry to disappoint you. That is not the case. Um, well, we're <laughs> we're excited that you are here joining us for season six. But also, Brian, I know um, you know it's not the end of the year yet, but I just want to shout out that we had some pretty good uh, viewage and listening during yeah, this year. We you know, did. Can you talk a little bit about it? Yeah, I'm putting you on had, the spot. <laughs> no, it's perfectly okay. Um, we had some amazing, amazing numbers this year, both from Apple Podcasts as well as the Spotify Wrapped. Um, we are all over the world with listeners. Um, we are a very high percent of a lot of people's favorite podcast. Um, we have some really, really, really great um, feedback from all of you that we're going to try to apply. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're just, oh, we were, we were ranked very high, uh, throughout the year. It fluctuates obviously, but on the Mm -hmm. Apple, um, podcast list of, Mm -hmm. uh, film review podcasts, we broke the a hundred, uh, top 100 for a while. It's very exciting stuff. So thank you so much for all of your listening, all of your um, responding to us, whether it's on YouTube or social media. Uh, we really appreciate that. We appreciate all of your reviews. They really do help us. There's there's a lot of horror podcasts out there. So I just want to mm-hmm. really, really thank you for spending time with us. Um, we really, really appreciate it. 
And if this is your first time listening, thanks for tuning in. Um, you can find us wherever you get podcasts. So if you're listening to us, find us on YouTube. If you're l- finding us on YouTube, hi, YouTube. Um, hi. And you just wanted to listen to us in the car or on your commute or while you're, you know, doing the dishes or laundry or whatever it is, um, you can absolutely find us on like Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So just wanted to, just a huge thank you. Um, and then, of course, on social media at Talk Horror Pod, we cover a lot more movies on Instagram uh, and TikTok than we do on the podcast. Um, you know, I, I, I'll be completely honest with you. Um, at this point in the year, uh, drum roll, please. I have seen forty-four horror films that came out this year, and oh if you're watching on YouTube. Here is my list of movies I still need to watch uh, before oh, the end of the man. year episode. Um, so you know we're putting our work in, but we talk about them on other on other social media stuff. So like definitely uh, check us out there. That's so funny, Jamie. Do you have uh, any clue where you are as far as that number? Uh, if you guys don't know, Jamie and Brian are married and they live together. But what? Jamie, are you? <laughs> Are you pushing 40s too in the movie area or no? I don't think I'm at 40s. I definitely know that Brian's watched a lot of horror movies that I did not because I gave him permission to watch them right. without me. I, um, okay, okay. But uh, yeah, I, I have to I, – I, I'm assuming my leatherbox is mostly up to date, although upon looking at it – Perhaps a few movies behind, but I'll just okay. catch up with uh, Brian's Leatherbox, who puts the reviews in immediately upon finishing a film. <laughs> you got to do it while it's hot, fresh on your yeah. mind, you yeah. know. BP527 mm-hmm. on Letterbox. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, let's talk about why you all are here, the Five Nights at Freddy's movie. Let's get into it. So this movie was directed by Emma Tammy, and it's based off the video game series of the same name by Scott Cawthon, uh, and it stars uh, Josh Henderson uh, with Elizabeth Lale. Hutcherson? Hyper- Wait, did you say Henderson? Henderson? Hutcherson. Peter. I did. Peter Malak. Oh, my God. <laughs> it is Peter. <laughs> I once walked into Peter. him on the street in New York. Wait, really? No on the on the, uh, on the east side. Uh, and they like, uh, Midtown East, he was outside of a bar smoking a cigarette and I, uh, and, uh, I saw him and I brushed against him. Not on purpose. I was just drunk. And, uh, <laughs> so I guess like, I'm not a reliable narrator, but I, I'm, I'm, I have other people who like confirmed the sighting. That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> I'm obsessed with this. I'm also obsessed with the fact that you guys are making me realize that it is uh, Pita because I didn't. I was like, I know this. Well, I was like, I know this actor, but I don't know where. And Mm. I just Mm -hmm. was not thinking about Hunger Games at all. I was just like, horror movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Hutcherson. I said Henderson. Damn. Mm -hmm. Josh Hutcherson (laughs) with uh, Elizabeth Lale, which also I was like, who, how do I know her? And then it's, oh, from the first season of You from Netflix. Because I was like, why do I have a little bit of disdain and sadness for this person? And it's because of that first season. What a season of a show if you have not watched You on Netflix. Have not. Um, yeah, it's the same. Yeah, don't do it. Don't do it to yourself. Great, uh, <laughs> and uh, lastly, starring Piper Rubio, Mary Stewart Masterson, and of course, the one and only 
Scream King Matthew Lillard. So obviously heavy spoilers and for this and probably going to talk about some of the video series because I didn't realize there's 80 million games in Five Nights at Freddy's. So uh, I will be asking all the questions if you guys know. Hopefully you do because I really want to know about uh, the lore of all of this. So, Jamie, give us those trigger warnings, please. Um, this movie is about murdering children. My so God. if you don't like the sound of that, uh, steer clear because that is a central plot. You might think it's about animatronics, which it is, but it's also about murdered children. Um, yeah. So, uh, so there's that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it's also about kidnapping children, uh, yeah. Social services are are thematic in this. Um, mm. Meddling families, <laughs> meddling kids. Yeah, um, I mean he is that. shaggy. Yeah, he that's is true. shaggy. <laughs> Perfect casting. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's definitely a few moments of insides on the outside. Some pretty gruesome kills. Um, and also, again, this movie has animatronics. So if like that. Pup, it were <laughs> shout out or not shout out, but trigger warning for those afraid of puppets like I am. Mm. Uh, then we can also shout them out. Shout out the folks who are fearful of puppets. Yeah, yeah. sure. Shout yes. out to myself because puppets <laughs> are scary and disturbing. Oh, did I miss anything? Um, I don't think Insides, so. No, I dreams like dream like Nightmares. like sleep medication. I don't know. Yeah. Nightmares, murders. Sure. Just mostly about the the murdering children. uh, Reference to suicide. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's, Um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Not that that's interesting, but it's like very elusively. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. Okay. Well, if that is that, uh, Brian, you've already given us all of our wonderful words. So have you guys seen any other horror movies? This week, yeah, Anything we to saw, talk about. We watched. We watched two. Oh, yeah. Ooh. I, did, I forgot. <laughs> um, we the first one we watched. Not really a horror movie per se. So actually, technically, I may have only seen forty three movies, depending on if you count this as a mm. horror movie or not. Um, I, I probably wouldn't at this point. But we watched a haunting in Venice, the new uh, like mm-hmm. uh, Kenneth Branagh, Agatha Christie, Agatha Christie, um, Poirot movie adaptation. Um, Totally fun. I, I think it's the best of the three between okay. the Murder on the Orient Express remake, Death of the Nile, and then this. Um, I enjoyed it. Jamie and I like watching them. We love like trying to guess who it is because I didn't know this story, so it was brand new to me. Um, mm. The acting, everyone's chewing the scenery. Um, it's delicious <laughs> a lot. I mean, I also, as you know, if you've watched this or listened to this podcast, I love Venice. I collect masks. Um, so I really liked the tone. I really liked the uh, the atmosphere. Um, it was it was a good time, and I, I felt like it never overstayed its welcome. Um, it was on Hulu. Nice. Uh, Jamie, mm-hmm. do you agree? Did you like it less than I did? I think I liked it less than you did, um, but it was fine. Uh, yeah, like it. I feel like the ads, the previews, made it seem like it would be more than it actually was. Mm, um, mm-hmm. So like a yeah, little bit blurry. misleading. 
<laughs> Maury, yes. Maury. Maury. Um, That's what we call Maury. Maury. That's yeah. Maury, yeah, yeah. We're going to talk a lot about Maury in this episode, I'm pretty oh my sure. my God. <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought that it would be more, but then... But then at the same time, I was like, no, because that's not really what these are. So it's like, where are they going to meet in the middle between sure. what the previews are presenting this to be and what it actually is going to be? I feel like they really amp up a lot of the horror elements in the previews. And it's, I mean, it's a detective thriller. It's a whodunit. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to take okay. it off my horror list. You're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no. Like I took Missing off the list. I took Sisu off the list. It doesn't mm-hmm. belong on there. I mean, I will say that other horror podcasts I listened to covered all of those. Sure. I think yeah. it's horror adjacent enough. I just feel like they set the wrong expectations going into that movie. Yeah, for sure. sure. But I'm going to take again, it off like the horror list. is a, you know, a pretty wide, yeah, yeah, wide and like kind of subjective, uh, totally genre. Absolutely. So I feel like some people might still consider it to be horror. Yeah, totally yeah. agree. Um, and then we also finally watched uh, Malum, which is the remake mm-hmm. of uh, um, Last Shift. So uh, we did an episode, if you if you remember, not you two, I know you remember, but listeners, uh, on <laughs> Last Shift, which we all really enjoyed to, an ex- to different extents. Um, and we watched Malum, which is the remake. Um, for those of you who, are, who don't know, um, Malum essentially like – it's the same story, but it adds a lot more to it, and it changes some of the plot uh, twists and turns and stuff like that. Um, mm. But um, Jamie, what did you think of Malum? Uh, it was bad. It was yeah. oh no, which is surprising for being a mostly like you know very similar story and like not shot for shot remake because that's like a pet peeve of mine. But like mm. there was a mm. lot. There was a lot of things that they added and things that they removed quite frankly. And that's what I feel like made it a worse movie. Uh, the scares okay. in the OG one are, mm. are that movie really scared me like deeply. And this one was boring. And even though I knew that, like I knew what this one was about because I saw last shift, it just didn't deliver for having a bigger budget and like, yeah. you know, having access to more resources. I was like, why is this worse? <laughs> Man. Yeah. Okay. It, it, Disappointed. it felt like, yeah, really mm. disappointing. It, it it weirdly felt like it had less of a budget or it, like it felt even more like, I don't know what it was about it, but like it removed some of my favorite things that made the first one good, but not mm. in a way that kind of enhanced this. I personally thought that all the added backstory and exposition bogged the movie down a lot. Ah, um, okay. Yeah. I also, it took away from like the impact that any of the scares had. Mm. Yeah, it totally. And it wasn't scary at all. And it's and and truly also I was not the practical effects most of the time felt like they looked fake. Like I, I can't even explain it. Um, yeah. They showed way too much. Okay. Where like in the original one, it's a it's a super dark movie, so you can't really yes. see everything. And so, like, the the scary monster-type things, like, you're only seeing for brief periods of time. This one, like, you are staring at them in the face for extended periods of time. And the more yeah. you look at it, you're like, this looks, this looks stupid. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. no. stop showing this to me. It doesn't look, it doesn't look scary. It looks dumb. 
Um, I would, so like that, that was a mistake. Yeah. I would also argue that people are less people in this movie. I had a lot yeah. of gripes with the way they handled the fact that like, she's the daughter of a police officer. It's like, Oh, you're his daughter. It's like, this is not how police officers work. If you're the daughter of a former police officer doing your first shift, everybody knows that you're there. Like, yeah. like even, so if, even if the father is like, no one liked him. Like it doesn't, everyone's like, Oh, you're that person's kid. It's like, no, everyone knows that this is her. Like it was just, it, it I had a hard time buying into it. Like, I, there were some things that really popped that I did like about it um, that mm-hmm. were different. Like I thought there's like the cult is still active in the town. Like yeah. I thought that was a super cool, interesting thing that that like only half goes somewhere. Anyway, this is not a Malum episode. This is a Five Nights at Freddy's episode. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Jamie and I were equally disappointed. And every time we like pause it to go to the bathroom, we like. You know that first time you're watching a movie with someone at home and you don't want to ruin the other person's experience by being like, I hate this. Because then the yeah. other person like feels bad that they're kind of making you watch this along with them. Yes. You know what I mean? But like yes. – so there was that like moment we looked at each other like we we both think this is boring and bad, right? And we were like, mm-hmm. yeah. We we're like, oh, OK. And then you can kind <laughs> of enjoy the rest of it. You know what I mean? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's true. Instead of feeling, like you said, like you're making somebody watch something. So Yeah, because it's a different experience than if I've seen something before and know it's good or bad. And then I, you know, like those are right. two very different watch experiences. Right. Ugh. Okay. Well, let's talk about this watch experience. We need a plot summary, please, of Five Nights at Freddy's. Watch the plot. <laughs> Producer Brian... Are you ready? Yes, I am ready. Are you ready, Freddy? Whoa! (laughs) She said the thing! She said the thing! (sighs) Obsessed. (laughs) All right, Producer Brian, I've got two minutes on the clock for you to give us your your best uh, plot summary. You ready? No, but let's do it. All right, ready, (laughs) steady, go. Okay, Five Nights at Freddy's opens with a security guard being killed. Um, Fazbo, Freddy's, Freddy Fazbear, something. I don't know this. I don't know this this a lot very well. But Mm -hmm. there's a Chuck E. Cheese like thing called Freddy's um, that has been abandoned, and we have this um, mall security guard named Mike Schmidt, played by Josh Henderson or Josh Hutcherson, whichever one you prefer. Um, Anyway, um, we find out that when he was a kid, he was supposed to be watching his little brother. His little brother was abducted, and then it basically ruined his family. His 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 parents died. Um, and he was given basically charge of his younger sister, um, who was born after the fact, um, he's struggling, can't keep a job. Um, he has this hero complex where he needs to save kids or figure out while he's trying to figure out what happened to his little brother. He gets this job, um, at, uh, Freddie Fazbear's pizza, um, and weird things are happening. Um, what we, uh, and, and, um at the same time his aunt is trying who's who's like only wants the um the um the checks from the government is trying to get um custody of his sister essentially um his babysitter that he hires um to take care of his sister while he's working um is um 
is uh, being paid by the aunt to kind of ruin everything and make him lose his job so she can get custody. Anyway, all the things come to life um, because we find out that they're actually the spirits of children uh, that were murdered by the owner of Freddy Fazbear. It is revealed to be, I don't remember his name, but it's like a whole lore that I don't understand. Um, It's Matthew Lillard. Um, Matthew Lillard is actually his like... um, his job counselor or whatever they call it. Um, he makes friends with the police officer who's the daughter of him. Um, and wow, I really botched this completely. And the, <laughs> it's all good. He, he brings his sister to work. He has to save the sister um, because they, the animatronics end up turning on them. Um, but in the end, everything works out. The animatronics like take, uh, find out that the that the that he killed them and they take him um, and they leave everything and it's actually a little bit more streamlined in the movie. I made it very convoluted the way I was telling it because I told it out of order. Um, but he ends up keep, they kill everyone. There's a lot of YouTube stars in it, and then um, and uh, and there's probably going to be another one because it made a ton of money. Really? Okay, I'm interested. Uh, to... I really botched that. I'm really no. sorry, listeners. Just go <laughs> to uh, this website called www.wikipedia.org uh, and just read the plot summary. I, that was not good. That was not good. That's the plot. It's all good. You only have two minutes to tell this, and I mm-hmm. will go ahead as we start our section of likes and gripes. And now our likes and gripes. I will say, producer Brian, that even you trying to tell it in two minutes, it is a lot and it can be confusing if you don't already know uh, what it is generally about. Because like Mm -hmm. Jamie mentioned Mm -hmm. earlier, it's uh, general gist. (laughs) Because like (laughs) Jamie said earlier, you think it's just about animatronics, but it's about murdered children. And that was one of my first questions when I finished watching the movie was if the children were a part of the lore. And then I found out that they were because it in that moment in the movie seemed like a lot. So anyway, I'll start off with my likes and gripes. Question yes, first. A lot mm-hmm. in terms of convoluted or a lot in terms of, you know, like, the death of children is just like a lot. You didn't expect the, it to be so like, like children death heavy. I think the the former. <laughs> okay. Yes. Uh, and it felt like hat on top of hat on top of hat, but I'll get into like a little bit specifics of, yeah, of yeah, why yeah. I feel that way. I'll say what I like first about it. And uh, what I've now realized a new like in general for Nikisha. In oh my movies. God. I'm so excited. <laughs> what is it? It's such a simple concept, but I just like when a movie takes you immediately into the world. So when like the universal sign is going uh, through the globe for just mm-hmm. the universal like studios mm-hmm. uh, and it's glitching like the little mm. screens on the security mm-hmm. thing. It's like, I like that. Put me in the world immediately. Like I want to, yeah. I want to go there. I want to be in the mood in the moment. And so I just like that that was uh, a thing. And I, I just want to be where the people are, like Errol said. Uh, so allow me that. Uh, <laughs> I also like, and it was, it was twofold. I liked how the movie felt like 
it was still kind of in the eighties with like the old telephones and like the mall. But then I was like, Oh wait, but is it like in the nineties? Because (laughs) at the very end, when the taxi is coming in, it's playing brandies. I want to be down. And that's like an absolute staple of the nineties. So I'm like, is this just a movie? Like, that like the 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 Freddy's Fosbear Pizzeria whatever was in the eighties, but like this is taking place in the nineties. I don't know. It just felt that way. If it's not that, I just really enjoyed how because this was an old Chuck E. Cheese style um, type pizza restaurant, that everything else in the movie was still in that same tone. If that makes mm. sense, uh, sure. just like with the with the clothes and stuff, because it was just like old phones, old cell phones. You know, like it looked like one of the. Um, it looked like the babysitter had like a form of a Nokia cell phone. <laughs> well, let's let's think this through. Mm-hmm. The 80s is when this was like super popular Freddy's. Yeah. The, right? I don't mm-hmm. remember if they say how old Mike is in the movie, but we can assume he's what, late 20s, early 30s um, yeah. as a character maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So let's say – and how old was he when his his brother was kidnapped? Like eight, ten, maybe no, like twelve. Yeah, I All heard right. the 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 year twelve somewhere in there. All right, so let's yeah. say he was twelve. Let's just say he was twelve for the heck of it. Mm-hmm. If he's twelve years old, and and I don't, I, it was unclear if he was kidnapped in like the early nineties or the or like the late eighties. So let's just let for the heck of it, let's say he was kidnapped in nineteen ninety for math purposes. So mm. if he was twelve, and let's let's give it the benefit of the doubt that like. You know, he's uh, like, what, 30? Like maybe just like as a F for the heck of it. So like what's like 20-ish years? So 90 to 2000, 2000. So like this technically is supposed to take place like in the 2010s at the earliest like between 2000 and 2010. So like that's kind of when that would potentially happen. Obviously, like those numbers are rough and like I may be missing a piece <laughs> of information that was given to us in the movie. But like, mm. yeah, I, for a Nokia phone, that seems about right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I had a Nokia in like 2004, 2005. Oh, you did. I, didn't have one. I don't I know did. if that's great or not, but I'm going to react to it. I was an only child, so they needed to keep <laughs> track of me. So I had a little Nokia. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I just liked that the tone was the same. It, it just all felt like it was within the same uh, theme of, of everything. Mm. So I just appreciated that. Um, also, Matthew Lillard is still hot to this day. And that just is going to be a like for me forever and a day in whatever movie he is ever in that we cover on here. <laughs> uh, of course, the animatronics are great. It really it, I was just so surprised at how it looked because you can tell that it wasn't CGI, but it was mm-hmm. so well done that sometimes I was just like, oh my God, yeah, this is not CGI. Just how they did it was just so fantastic. Um, yeah. And let me add to that. Mm-hmm. The animatronics and the costumes and everything in Five Nights at Freddy's is exceptional. And it really elevates this movie. Whether you like this movie or not, to me, the uh, the animatronics like elevate this movie to an nth degree. This movie would potentially be border, even if you like the narrative. I'm not saying I did or didn't, but like mm. this movie would be borderline unwatchable if everything was CG for me. Because yeah. I like 
I'm a proponent that the opening scene in it, the movie loses me the second it flips to the CGI CGI and mm. horror movies, unless it's perfect or in the dark do not work for me. And this movie makes the choice to show the animatronics early and often in bright lights. And it pays off in spades. I would see a million more of these movies just for the animatronics. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. That's what kind of was holding, holding me on. Um, and I think that's the going to be the main the main like, uh, and that's mm-hmm. all the likes that I really have for this. My gripes come from, well, my gripes mm-hmm. come just from questions. Like one question I have. Well, first off, um, I have you guys played the game at all? No, I have not, you. but I have. I have watched – I do dabble in Let's Plays, which are basically right. videos of people who are playing games because, like, either I didn't have access to that game or I wanted to see it to see if I liked it enough to buy it. Mm-hmm. Or I genuinely liked the person who was, like, playing the game. So, like, sure. some popular popular streamers or, like, Let's Players that people would know that played Five Nights at Freddy's games are Markiplier – and Jacksepticeye. There's okay. other one. Corey Kenshin's another one. There's like a ton of them. But those those were like the ones that I watched like when these games had first come out. Okay. So with that information, and I've only seen a few TikToks of people playing the game, which mm-hmm. I still don't fully like understand uh, like the exact gameplay of it all. But it, do you, is there kind of gameplay in this movie? And if so, like is it – do you feel like it was accurate? Um, yeah, there was definitely things that happened in the movie that like relate to the gameplay. So like, okay, for those that don't know the game at all, essentially the like, <clears throat> at least the original game or games, cause it's like you said, there's uh, many installments now and I mm-hmm. haven't watched a lot of the later ones and things like that. But originally you are you're in one place. So you're still, you're playing as like the new security guard at this old abandoned pizzeria um, that was once super successful. And you're in one room and Mm -hmm. you have control over looking at the security feed and switching between different cameras to like, you know, see if anybody's coming. You also have the ability to lock both doors on each Mm -hmm. side of you. But doing all of this uses a battery. So you have like a limited amount of like battery or electricity that you can use. And the more that you're like opening and closing the doors and looking at the video feeds, the faster your battery runs out. So okay. the goal of the game is to last through and, – and you can see like a time, like a, a clock. Um, and so you're, you're the night shift. So you're starting at midnight and you're trying to last till 6 a.m. I think. Okay. And so mm-hmm. um, basically you want to survive and make it to 6 a.m. of the shift. I think it's five days in a row, which is why it's called Five Nights at Freddy's. Yes. Um, and without being captured, essentially murdered by um, the animatronics. So like if you see them coming, you kind of close the door in time before one of them gets you. And so you're kind of like operating between all of these mechanisms and hoping that the battery lasts until 6 a.m. And then it restarts again, but it like gets more difficult. So like the difficulty goes up each night that you're there 
which I think also kind of relates to the experiences that our protagonist is happening. Like the things that are happening are like escalating each night that he's there. Right. Um, and I think that kind of aligns with like the original game where like it continues to get harder and more dangerous the more nights that he's there. And did anybody actually count if it was five nights in this movie? I'm assuming it was, but I didn't actually count. Yeah. And I, (laughs) I, I think it is, uh, Mm. because, oh man, I think I was paying attention to that. And then I stopped after a while. But I do think it actually is Five Nights. Yeah. Uh, I think I would say the same, too. But you know what now <laughs> brings up a gripe is, you know, we love like a time frame and we, mm. you know, we love a countdown. And I kind of was expecting there to be like night one, this, sure. you know, and then like night two. Blah, Which is blah, what blah. happens in the game. And mm-hmm. I wonder if yeah. like, maybe that was a part of it and then they eliminated that for whatever reason but like yeah. I I I would imagine that like that's something that people would be looking for whether they both are fans of the game or not just to kind of keep track of like all right you told me that there would be a time frame so like yeah yeah I think if you were to do that in this movie there would have to be a reason they only hired him for 5 nights <laughs> You know Mm. what I mean? Because Mm. the point of this is that he wanted to keep his job for as long as possible because he wants to, like, pay for his life and make sure that he retains his sister. So Mm -hmm. in counting each night that he's there, unless there was a reason for it, to me kind of undercuts the narrative. So Mm. it's sacrilege to say this because we love a countdown. But, Mm. like... In the context of this movie, it wouldn't make sense. I think it would undercut or distract from the character's, like, main objective. However, like, in the game, like, yeah, definitely. Like, give me those five nights, baby. But also, to counter, Brian. Please. You could have put in, they could have put in, you know, we've had a lot of security guards, but none of them last past five days. We don't know what the deal is. And then oh. you can start a countdown from there. Great. Love like, it. You solve. Is he going to last? You know what Great. I mean? <laughs> I love it. Fantastic. <laughs> Problem fixed immediately. Problem fixed. Because they already say there's been a lot of different security guards and we can't keep people on this job. Add in the five days you're there. Um, yeah. Great. So just a few little other gripes. And then I'm just going to say like the the big gripe of the whole for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> I I had a really big gripe with uh, Matthew Lillard at first. Like he's a career counselor, right? That's what it says on his little like tab. And then he's like going through what is his name, Mike's Mike's file yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Uh-huh. And he's like, yeah, who do you think you are, Mike? And he doesn't say his last name. And he's like, oh. And then like has a realization. And then like whatever happens happens. But it's like as a career counselor, would you not have read his file like before talking to this person? Like, are you that busy? Like, why would you be like in that <laughs> moment meeting with this person? Like, you set an appointment. Career counselor. Yes. And this is before we know, like, what we know. But in that sure. moment, it was like, this is, you're not a great career counselor. <laughs> also, that, that, that moment just like phones in that he's going to be the reveal at the end. Yeah. Which it's also I think what I we talked about. Huh? I think I, I've really been priding myself on figuring out like who, like the whodunit of it all. Yeah. Lately. And I'm pretty yeah. sure I said that. Cause yeah. I also was like, 
you know, he's the only other famous person in this movie. That's, that's exactly what I was going to say. He's the only <laughs> other character in this movie. Yeah, that also yes. is true. I mean, it wouldn't have made sense to be the police officer. So. No. Right. Or the aunt. Like, it doesn't, right. like. Yeah. I mean, we already knew she was bad, so it's like. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Totally. Yes. Uh, I agree. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's like, we, you know that he's going to be it because it's Matthew Lillard and we love him and he's a horror staple. So why would he take this if he's mm-hmm. only in the movie for the first five minutes and right, then he's totally. not going to be coming back around in some capacity, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. And I had in, I, I thought that the scares were lacking for me. Um, even would the you gore. Say you wanted more? I wanted more. <laughs> I definitely wanted more. Especially because I had seen a couple of TikToks, especially with like the quote unquote bite scene of it all that comes from the lore of, you know, the son Mm -hmm. being the one that got Mm -hmm. bit, but it was the babysitter in this. And yeah, it just, those just kind of didn't land for me. Um, The whole policewoman's character didn't land for me as being a police officer of this murderer and like, you have such a strong relationship with your father that even though you're like a person of like moral justice, you're just letting your father just kind of run free. So on that note, Nikisha, something <laughs> felt so off to me that I even said to Jamie during this, like, I think she's dead. I thought that she was like, because something was just like, <clears throat> didn't work about the character completely. And then Mm-mm. when he sees her outside of the thing yes. I was like, oh, okay, she's real. Other people mm-hmm. are reacting to her, but I, I that was I remember saying that to Jamie, being like, oh, she's dead. I was like so proud of myself. Meanwhile, I felt the just, same way <laughs> because what was the other movie we watched in the quiche? Oh, Thanksgiving. We're yes, we're, we felt no spoilers for Thanksgiving here if you still want to mm-hmm. watch it, but like something at the very beginning felt off to Nikisha and I, but we ignored it. So while watching mm-hmm. this one, I thought to myself, oh, you know what? Like, I'm going to keep paying attention to all these yes. details. Go or with maybe, your instincts. No, strike that, reverse it. We watched this before Thanksgiving. So I mm-hmm. didn't pay attention to the Thanksgiving thing because it mm-hmm. didn't work out in this one. Oh, That's what happened. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, even still, I watched Thanksgiving first. And so my spidey senses were tingling Mm -hmm. and still wrong. But I absolutely thought the same exact thing, Brian. I was like, she has to be dead or one of the dead children. I don't know. But she just has to be not be alive. Yeah, agreed. Mm -hmm. Or maybe she was a security guard a couple times ago. Like, I don't know. But yeah. Yeah. Um, But anyway, just to to wrap it up for my my biggest gripe for this movie, after sitting and finding some, you know, good old TikToks about not about the movie, but just about more of the lore of Five Nights at Freddy's and all of the games, because I didn't know that the games did have to do with the dead children, because I thought that that was kind of a lot for this. I Mm. think that I would have liked the movie better if it was just about animatronics attacking, you know? Mm. And then if you want to make multiple movies because there are multiple games, then you can add in the lore as you go through each movie. Mm-hmm. And it felt sure. like they were trying to cram all of that into this. And so it felt like a lot for someone who doesn't know the game, if that sure. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Totally. So that's just my biggest gripe about it. I, I would have liked... Uh, it to have just been, you know, like Jamie uh, explained the first game, 
there's no real like Laura in the first game. It's just about trying to keep yourself safe. And then you can build and capitalize. Like I'm sure there are going to be more five nights at Freddy's movies, but like, I feel like they could have done, they could have capitalized it on it more if it just started out like how the first game was and then build the actual backstory through the other movies that come afterwards. I think this is the highest grossing Blumhouse movie ever. Stop. Really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is like a very dedicated fan base. And Mm. I think there was a, there was a, you know, I mean, we'll, we'll guess what the Rotten Tomato score is and I don't know what it is, but I did hear that there was like a big difference between what the critics consensus had been and what the audience score was because like, People who love this love it. And, like, we're so excited. I mean, there is something. There's so few uh, video game adaptations. And then to narrow it down further, there's so few video game adaptations that are actually good. And so, like, people are, for lack of a better phrase, chomping at the bit for (laughs) something that, like, kind of hits all of the, the notes of the thing that they love. And, Mm, and like, you know, more or less isn't bad. So... I think that like that kind of made it work for, and like people were just so excited and like there were so many other Easter eggs, like a lot of the, a lot of the people, um, a lot of the YouTubers who became famous because this game came out, whether they played it or just talking about the lore and like doing videos about the lore were featured as, as like ha- they had small mm-hmm. extra parts. They had lines in this movie, which is yeah. mind blowing to me. Like the guy in the taxi is a YouTuber mm-hmm. who did let's plays oh, of this game. That was Corey okay. Kenshin. The guy at the, the waiter the at waiter. the restaurant. Um, mm-hmm. I forget. I heard this. I heard this on another podcast because like, I don't, I don't know everything about the lore and I, I, um, I didn't watch a lot of YouTube videos about the lore specifically, but mm-hmm. the guy, the, the waiter at the restaurant, apparently his thing that he would say in his videos, his like catchphrase is like, but that's just a theory. And so not only do they give him a line in the movie, but they give him a line where he says his own catchphrase in the movie. Like they, mm-hmm. they, mm-hmm. they really knew their audience and like what was going to put butts in seats and what was going to like, you know, get people going. Apparently people in like the active theaters were fucking losing their minds over, over all of the hidden Easter egg things that like were Mm. in the movie that like were for them. They felt like it was for them. And I think that like, you know, that's gonna, that's gonna bring in the bucks. So it doesn't surprise me that like this really hit, everywhere that it needed to for it to be successful. And like, I'm assuming there will be more. Oh, I yeah. can, I can't even imagine they would stop making these movies. Yeah. I mean, there's so much to, to pull from, mm-hmm. <laughs> honestly, mm-hmm. like even just watching like a 10 minute video of like the lore. And did you? Yeah. Oh, there's, there's <laughs> one, or I was in a TikTok uh, that I watched. It was like 10 minutes of the lore. And yeah, yeah. Just the backstory of like this is what happens in the first game, the second game, but this is like what is it, William uh, Afton or whatever is the mm-hmm. the guy's name, and like yeah. all of what happens to all of his children and all the things, and yeah, it's just a, a long <laughs> list of things where they can choose from, and like all the puppets that are being possessed and what children are possessing what puppets and all this stuff, and like there, I don't even think because there's like a protection puppet. And that's not even in this movie or that I saw, you know, in mm-hmm. a sense. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure that they can do so much with it. But 
it it was just I don't know. It's I'm I understand what you mean, Jamie, about feeding your audience. Uh, but as someone who is not that audience, you know, that was just uh, I'm indifferent to it, and it seemed just like a a lot that they were trying to cram in. But I understand why. Mm-hmm. Like you're you're feeding a specific fan base, so. Some things are meant for certain people and some things are not. So, uh, again, animatronics, fantastic, great, loved, like, just watching all all of that. Um, mm-hmm. But as far as, like, the storyline, it wasn't my it wasn't my favorite. But, yeah, that's all my likes and gripes. Anybody else? Uh, I'll go. Um, yeah. So I agree with a lot of the things that you said. I think that um, as someone who is deeply disturbed by puppets, I was very like terrified of these um, animatronics that were made out of puppets. And they also, <laughs> I will, I will again like shout out uh, Blumhouse for their really effective marketing campaign. Like during the strike, so they didn't have to use anybody. They just posted videos of the making of this movie, which again people were like so excited about it coming out that. Just seeing how they like Jim Henson's creature, uh, creature shop, like making all mm-hmm. of these huge puppets that people were wearing, and then like you know how they were able to like make um, like Foxy's the one who's like kind of dilapidated, so you can see the metal legs, like all of that stuff. Just the work that went into it, like the craftsmanship. That that's the make or break it for this movie. In my opinion, if the animatronics were solely CGI, I just don't think that people would have been as satisfied. So mm. the fact that they put so much energy into that and like really got it right, um, I think really made the made it like more uh, just more enjoyable. And I wanted mm-hmm. to see more of it. Like I I was invested in watching more of the animatronics because I knew that they were practical and like just looked so good. And and made it more disturbing. Um, so like it it that like kind of lured me in more. Um, I so like this movie is kind of a disappointment for me. Again, as somebody who loves video games, as someone who loves horror, um, someone who is deeply terrified of horror video games. <laughs> yes. This th- like I think that they tried to do a lot in this, maybe a little bit too much for me. But really the thing that disappointed me the most is, again, what's the rating on this film? It's PG-13. I just want a big mm-hmm. – I just want this movie to be gorier. I want more. But what I really want is I want more gore. I'm I'm anticipating a director's cut where we mm. get more of the gore. Um, and, like, that's – like – there's so much there's so much hype around this the bite the bite of 83 that's like mm-hmm. from the from the game um and like it's it's like fucked up when you see it in the game for the first time and i think everyone the idea that it was going to be in this like again people were just so excited and i i just like i wanted to see it be disgusting <laughs> yeah. and it just didn't deliver um, even with it being referenced, I just really wanted more, more. Um, so that, that kind of like just disappointed me. Um, even with like the, the kind of really intense, uh, like 
killing scene that happens where all of the the bad guys that the ant hires to, you know, make a mess of the place. I just really wanted it to be like a, a gorier, murdery scene. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It would have made it would have just made things more satisfying, in my opinion. Um, I think that the ant was too like absurd Disney villain. Like it just didn't. <laughs> I also was like, okay, she's trying to get custody of her niece because like she's gonna get the big bucks from the government for adopting her. I'm sorry, but you do not the there is no big bucks with adoption. It's mm. it's small potatoes. It's it's chump change. <laughs> like it's not nothing, but like also then clearly her the motivations are like so obvious that I'm like no judge is going to give this child to her like in in this world um but like that's that wasn't reality um at all so I was just like how like it just it's very like Cruella Deville like it was just like mm-hmm. very silly um mm-hmm. and that kind of took me out of it also, her really bad attorney who was just like, I shouldn't be here. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> why? Like, is this? Why? Is he, like, just a, sh- a real schmo that they found on the street and, like, they put him in this movie? And he's um, just, like, looking around. <laughs> it's just, like, so terrified constantly. Um, yes. Like, again, like, very ex- – there was a lot of, like, extreme performances that I was, like – what is this? What is the world that you have built here? Like, I get, I understand that like the world is fake because these children are not really, you know, possessing these animatronics. I'm sorry um, if that's shocking what? to you. Uh, but ah. like, I don't know. I just it felt it that felt so over the top compared to how um, like Josh Hutcherson was playing it, which like he was giving a much more grounded ish. Uh, performance in my opinion so it was like I'm really I'm confused by like the extremeness of some character of like the bad characters and like the normalness of the protagonists Mm -hmm. um so so that just like the there was something that felt off about like the acting overall um I did really like uh Matthew Lillard's like you know, just being Matthew Lillard. Although again, mm-hmm. I think that in the beginning, it's just like a little, they're just giving a little too much. Like he's like, oh, you want to take this job? Let me tell you everything about it. And I'm like, why the fuck does this guy mm. know any of this information? He's giving too much information. It is so clearly him. When he says, he says a line that's like, oh, the guy just couldn't give it up because he's too sentimental. I was like, stop talking. Like, you're the worst yeah. bad guy. Like, shut up. Shut your face. Um, <laughs> I just, like, I, I just thought that that was, like, a line too far. Like, he he should have saved that for his end reveal of, like, right. someone should have asked him, like, why would you keep this place? And he's like, ah, I'm sentimental. But at that point, you know it's him, and then it's, like, more fucked up. I feel like the mm-hmm. the earlier on – I'm like, you're you're giving me too much information. Yeah. And again, yes. it's just like feeding into this like weird bad guy over the top kind of thing. Um, and again, I, I know that Matthew Lillard has this like really like, you know, animated performance most in most of the things that he's in. But this I felt like it, we could have toned it down a tiny bit to make the reveal more impactful at the end. Sure. Um, mm. And that's kind of – like, this is a weird thing, but, like, that's the brilliance of Barbarian. 
Sure. Um, yes. Like the hiring of Bill Sarsgaard mm-hmm. at the beginning to Oof. completely undercut your expectations of what the movie is. Um, I feel like a lot of movies recently we've seen like have done the exact opposite of that, where they hire the horror person to be the villain reveal, which like yes. is nice, but also like, I don't know, kind of undercuts the like fun of the guessing game. Yeah. Right. I also like not, this is not me saying that anybody going into these movies are, are like not thoughtful, intelligent people, but like, I'm curious about how much people are thinking about these things. Like we are thinking about it because like we have a horror movie podcast. So we're like, (laughs) you know, the level of, I think, hyper awareness to these things is heightened. So I'm curious if like the general moviegoer who enjoys horror movies is thinking about these things in the same way that we are. It's, it feels very obvious for us, but I think that that's because like we, we've learned what to look out for. We're, mm-hmm. we're thinking about these things Fair. going into these movies. And I'm, I'm just genuinely curious if other people are, are also trying to solve these mysteries while watching them or are aware of like the reputation of some of these actors in other horror things. And so they're like, Oh, right. this guy played this. So like, they're probably going to like, I see the connection. So, but mm-hmm. I, I don't really know. I think, I mean, again, like, I don't think that the general moviegoer is, like, not making those connections. Or maybe they're just going to have a good time and, like, they don't fucking care about these things um, in the ways that, like, we are talking about them. But it's just – I think it's interesting that, like, I think some people are super aware of that and other people might not be and they're just, like, going in and, you know, watching watching a movie. Um, Yeah. But, but yeah, I think – so, like, the acting for me kind of left – left something to be desired totally maybe with the exception of of josh hutcherson i think like did a pretty solid job um i think i mean i thought the sister was okay i thought the sister played a very stereotypical like creepy little girl who befriends ghosts like there wasn't anything you know too wild about it it it, like very much hit i think a, a horror movie trope and like you know, nothing more, nothing less. I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. You're, yeah. Oh, your friends that no one else can see like they're ghosts, like whatever. Right. Um, Six sense. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> it was fine. Um, I, I wasn't really crazy about the, the police officer either. Like, I think that her lack of being forthcoming constantly, that hits that trope that bothers the shit out of me where it's like people who communicate effectively would eliminate all of these issues. And like, Mm -hmm. I I think that most people just like communicate, you know, like, like they're giving information the way that she's like going around and not being forthcoming feels like borderline clownish that it's like, why, like, just say, just tell this person these things. Stop saying, like, you know, you've realized what his stakes are. He needs to have a job to 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 continue having custody of his sister. Like, you just saying, like, don't come back here is, like, the least helpful thing. Mm-hmm. Knowing that there's, like, real-life consequences for him if he doesn't, but you are aware of real-life consequences if he does, and you are not sharing it. And that makes you a shitty person. Like, exactly. I, I just can't. I can't excuse it. It just, it's, that's not how people would operate. And, and even with like, you know, the information that she has that's specific to her and like her relationships, 
it still just doesn't make sense why she wouldn't just say like, this is not the place that I understand what you're going through. Like, here's, I can tell you only so much. Like, Mm -hmm. but like you, she can obviously tell him more and it's just like, it's wild that she doesn't. And that feels unbelievable to me. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, it's like, and and they they don't give. I mean, she's a police officer of all things. Like sometimes they'll like give an excuse of why people aren't great communicators because yeah. of whatever reasons in the movie, you know. But it's like you put this person as like the person who's supposed to be a, a really great communicator, and she's yeah. like you said, just like weaving all over the place. So yeah. it, it definitely just didn't seem real. I'm like, mm-hmm. she's not a real police officer, or no. like I thought she's maybe she's faking person. being a police officer. Yeah. 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 That was another It was such a weird, too. it was so weird the way that she was interacting with him that I was like, are like is she really a cop? Like is right. like, it, it just yeah, it, it was very all over the place and made it really hard to like understand where she was coming from as a character and as a mm-hmm. as a human person. Mm-hmm. Um because even if she like I don't know. I also think that somebody who had this information about like their parent would operate in a very different way. Um, But that's an assumption. I, you know, I don't have a parent that murdered a bunch of children and put their souls in animatronics, but what do I know? Interesting. My last last gripe is I was kind of bored by – us getting the nightmare scene so many times. Mm -hmm. I wish that there was a different way for them to like relay some of that information because I didn't like that they just kept repeating it. And that whole scene takes place in the daytime, which I, I understand that like, you know, there are more horror movies that are taking place during the daytime that are effective in like creating a very disturbing atmosphere. And there Mm -hmm. is something disturbing about something horrifying taking place during the day. Cause you think you're safe. But mm. I think that there, there, it just like revisiting that same thing over and over again. It was so bright, you know, watching him trip and fall after children enough times, just like took me out of it. I was like, no, I want, I want to be in Freddie Fazbear's. I don't want to yep. be in the woods in the daytime. I want mm-hmm. to be in the scary place in the dark with the scary animatronics more. Like it goes back to like wanting more horror and gore. But I just think that like, like more than half of this movie took place in his dreams in the same dream. It wasn't even a different Mm -hmm. dream. And that just, that was kind of disappointing to me. I know that I complained a lot. I, I, this movie, like I had fun, but there was just a lot of things that like I thought could be better. And I hope that they, I hope that, the the sequels, which I will probably see, like are better. Yeah. Yeah. Those are my thoughts. Thank you very much. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Producer Ryan. Um, I liked it more than the both of you did. I have no relationship to the video games. Um, I thought I agree, but I also agree with both of you. Um, I thought some of the acting was excellent. I thought the overall tone of this movie was weirdly consistent, even though one of my gripes is that the acting is inconsistent. Jamie, Mm. saying that his aunt was like Cruella DeVille was perfect because like (laughs) his, her, um, her lawyer felt like a combination of like Jasper and Horace, like the sidekicks Mm. to Mm. Cruella. Like I definitely agree with all of that. Um, I thought the special effects were awesome like truly like Oscar worthy good. 
um, like amazing. Um, I like that. Here's the thing. I really like that. It was very light. There was a lot of light so We can actually see the, the, um, the animatronics. However, I, I, one of my gripes was the same as Jamie, which was the flashback dream repetition. It was just over and over again with very few variations in it. Mm. And, and I like that it took place in the daytime, but the juxtaposition between the horror in the daytime and the horror at the nighttime wasn't enough because the dark scenes weren't dark enough. Like there was no contrast. It, they were just inside with the lights on at night. You know what I mean? Um, so there's that aspect of things. Um, again, I also really enjoyed Matthew Lillard in this, specifically when he cleaned the knife. Like that was clearly <laughs> a scream reference, yes, which yes, I yes, yes. absolutely appreciated there. Um, I liked the mystery of this movie, even though it was told in a repetitive nature. I kind of liked the mystery. I was very engaged the whole time. It's a little slow on days like two and three, possibly. Um, but like the, the movie was was I was really engaged, especially because I don't care about the game. I don't care about the YouTubers. I was just having a good time watching the movie. Um, mm. Even my gripes, which um uh, the lack of horror is 100% my gripe as well. Like I just wanted a little more <clears throat> and I'm not even talking about like more dark or more. I just need a little bit more gore in those kill scenes. Maybe, um, you know, yes. and I, you know, it's funny. Who's this movie for? It made so much money. So like everybody, but like, there's also something when something's made for everybody, it's kind of for nobody, but everybody mm. saw it. I wonder how well the sequel will do if people will be like, you know what? I'm not going to go to the movies for this one. I'm just going to watch it on Peacock because mm. it was released on Peacock and in the movies the same day. And it still made a boatload of money. But mm -hmm. I'm wondering if this next time around it will make less money because more people are like, you know what? The first one was fine. We'll be fine watching it at home. Because there's not yeah. the same like pomp and circumstance around it, so there's there there's that one, um, but like it's it's kind of not for like hardcore horror fans because there's there's not a lot in there. Um, it's not for kids really because like it's pretty scary. But it but also like may, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's a really I, good I stepping stone for kids. I think you're wrong. I think this is very much geared towards kids because there's something there's something about the Five Nights at Freddy's chain that like as a game chain that mm. really is targeted to young people, to kids. Like I was shocked that my, uh, my younger, uh, nephew who is 10 now, like a few years ago was watching Five Nights at Freddy's videos on his iPad and I was like, what? I was like, do you know what you're watching? And he was like, Five Nights at Freddy's. And I was like, that's like, that's scary, right? And he <laughs> like just looked at me and I like told, I definitely told on him. Um, I told my cousin, <laughs> I was like, uh, like I'm like, do concerned. You know? Yeah, I was like, I'm concerned because I know what this is and you don't know what this is. So I'm going to tell you that right. this is like scary and definitely like violent and not for kids, but like, man, like ki kids love Five Nights at Freddy's. So like, okay. this is definitely a what I would say a gateway horror movie for sure. young people. Um, I don't, I, I don't understand because I'm not, you know, a child, but I don't yeah. understand the appeal as a child. 
I don't know if it's like the lore. I don't know if it's the gameplay and like just the phenomenon that it has. I don't know if it's the the animatronics themselves. Like people, people have favorites. People cosplayed as them. People love people love these characters. Like truly, that's great. So I have a question. When when was the first game released? What year? Ooh. Because, and, and Jamie, I think that's also surprising too, because since this is like a Chuck E. Cheese version, it seems like it would appeal more to our generation because we know what that is. Sure. Like there's not, at least what I don't think there are any, there's nothing like, like Chuck E. Cheese's are, I don't even know if they're still in existence uh, in places or if there's Didn't anything of the like. Bankruptcy. 2014. Okay. That's when the first game came out. Yeah. Yeah. That's surprising to me that little kids would be interested in that when there's, but maybe it's the gameplay, like you said. So, yeah, I, I don't get it. Cause the whole thing is like, I didn't even mention this, but like in the game, when you, when you either run out of power or like you don't close the door in time, like the thing that makes it scary is they jump out at you. And like, mm-hmm. they have like the, even if you think the animatronics are cute, the, the way that they jump out at you and the way that they look is terrifying. You're seeing their like, horrifying looking, you know, metallic skeletons open up their faces into your, it's a jump scare game. The whole, every time you mess up, it jump scares you. And the animatronics are terrifying looking. And like, you see the insides of their mouth and it's just like mechanics and, and scary. And then it also like, each of them have their own like scream sound. So they're like yelling, they're like screaming in your Mm -hmm. face as they jump scare you with their like endoskeletons, like opening up. So like, right. It is, it's, it's just very fascinating to me that like kids love this. There's a lot of people our age and like millennial age, I think that also love this game because like of what you said of when it came out and like Chuck E. Cheese, apparently there's another thing called showbiz pizza place that I've never heard of. That's like similar. Oh, oh but okay. I don't, I don't know anything about, showbiz I guess it's pizza place. It must be in like another area of, of the so, U.S. because I don't yeah. know about it. So Five Nights at Freddy's has ten games in the main series. Yeah, there are a ton of spinoffs, but in 2014, Five Nights at Freddy's and Five Nights at Freddy's Two came out in the same year. Oh wow! Um, 2015 had Five Nights at Freddy's Three and Five Nights at Freddy's Four. 2016 had Five Nights at Freddy's Sister Location. 2017 was Freddy Fazbear's Pizzeria Simulator. Then 2018 was Ultimate Custom Night. 2019 was Five Nights at Freddy's Help Wanted. 2021 was Five Nights at Freddy's Security Breach. And uh, this year there was another one, Five Mm. Nights at Freddy's Help Wanted 2. And there are a ton of spinoff stuff. Um uh, that, uh, I, uh, that I won't go through, but that's just the main thing. But, um, my, my last, uh, major gripe of this movie, um, is the convenience of it all. I just had a really hard time believing that like his career counselor was also the person who kidnapped his brother and the daughter was the cop and like (laughs) his, you know, like, and that was her Mm. dad. And then like, all of that was just so wildly convenient that, mm-hmm. like, I just have a hard time believing that, like, all of a sudden at the end of this movie, 
everything is tied up cleanly and nicely. And I get it's a movie, right. but like there, but like to Nikisha's point, there's so much happening in this movie with like his brother disappearing, the kids being murdered, him happening to get this job, him happening to be at that specific career counselor, his daughter being this thing and keeping secret. It was just all very convenient. And that might work for a video game, but like, it definitely felt like way too much for this like hour and a half hour, 45 minute movie. Um, yeah. Uh, so, but, but, I, but I, I had a good time watching this and I think I, I mean, we watched it at home on Peacock. Um, mm. So like I had a good time sitting on the couch with Jamie and watching it. Like I, I didn't, you know, I have these gripes, but also like w- what a fun, delightful time. Yeah. You got jump scared a few times. Yeah, there were there are, there are a couple in there here or there, but like nothing the way that like we talked about earlier, nothing like the way that like um, last shift jump scared me, or right. like some of those uh, like smile jump scares. It's not the same, but like you know, you put enough music underneath the quick cut, and like I'm gonna jump. Sure. <laughs> yes, if it's loud enough, yeah, you'll jump. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. fantastic. All right, anyone have anything else to add before we move along? I don't think so. No? Fantastical. Well, let's get into our next section, mm, brains. Okay, so Jamie, my Me? first question. You're up. <laughs> my first question uh, is about taking care of your younger siblings. And I just want to know the likelihood of an older sibling taking custody uh, of their younger sibling, as opposed to like in this movie, there is their aunt or if there was an uncle or a grandmother or a grandfather, like any other older, older person, um, like, or does it make sense that he, uh, Mike, would be taking care of his younger sister? Yeah, I like... It's hard to know because I think that the child welfare system is a fickle bitch. Um, Ooh. <laughs> but Spicy. my assumption is that it would be slightly more like – I guess it, we have no idea how old he is. Yeah. So sure. my my first assumption is that he would – that she would formally go to the aunt. But, like, there's also a world where, like, he would then file for, like, emergency custody – or guardianship and then mm. kind of get that approved. So like it's it's hard to know. I think the things that are working against him though is like his his lack of consistent gainful employment. Um yes. the fact that he does have a home is good and that she's like in school regularly and mm-hmm. and you know is is being cared for. The ba- like it's so wild that this that the aunt hires this like evil like not evil but like the babysitter to like work for her but like the babysitter is there and showing up and like taking care of her every day. So like, again, that also works in his favor, but like sure. the job thing is definitely a huge factor that would put him at risk of not successfully uh, winning the petition for guardianship. In okay. my opinion, I feel like also, that's like, a big, a big one. I mean, yeah. based on our movie math earlier, like she's not born at the time of abduction, so, mm-hmm. at right. the, and if we're saying he's 12, let's pretend that they're not pregnant. And let's say that, like, it would take them some time, like, a couple of years, potentially, after they've, like, searched and, like, have come mm. to the conclusion that they're not going to find their kid again. So, like, 
at the very least, they're probably 15 to 16 years apart. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I don't know if that helps the situation at all. I just wanted to do the movie math because that seems to be a theme in this episode. Movie yes. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, okay. My next question is, can you talk a little bit about how taking care of uh you know, your, your siblings can affect your mental health when you don't have parents around. And then can you also just talk about, would it be the same kind of mental toll if siblings are taking care of each other, but, and their parents are there, but they're just, um, negligent parents Mm. for lack of a better term. Yeah. I think a lot of it depends on like ages like when mm. <clears throat> when a an older sibling would be start would start to be responsible for taking care of a younger sibling or siblings. Um, yeah, I don't know if we've talked about like parentification uh, on the podcast before, but that's like mm-hmm. just the idea of like a young person kind of being thrust into this position of having to take on all this responsibility. But like they're still really a, a kid, um, and they it it forces them to like kind of grow up fast because they either like don't have the support system or like don't have the, the, you know, parent or guardian that's able to like take care. Um, and that, that can look like so many different things. Like it can look like, you know, a sibling having to adopt a a younger sibling. It can look like, Mm -hmm. you know, parents being negligent and, and the sibling have to having to kind of take care of like making sure that they're fed, making sure they go to school. If they're a baby, like, you know, like cleaning them, like changing their diaper or feeding them, all of that stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. it can, uh, it can also sometimes what it can look like is like, sometimes there are situations where I've seen this like a few times where, uh, families that are very large, there's like an expectation that the older siblings help take care of the younger siblings because Absolutely. there's just like big families and like that happened you know, with the. Uh, I'm sorry, that just reminded no. me of the Duggars. Did you watch Yo, the Duggar that, documentary? That's what I, <laughs> I thought too. I didn't watch the documentary, but like you know, it's not a that that's not a bad example. Um, but it's like you know, if both parents are are there and like it, they're 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 like both being responsible, there's still only two people compared to like however many other children there are in the household. And on top of that, like if there's constantly like babies needing to be taken care of, like that's just an added layer of responsibility. So like sometimes again, there's this expectation that's put on older siblings where it's like, you know better, like you take this on, whether it's Mm -hmm. explicit or implicit. And it doesn't always even have to be that there's like a ton of younger children. But again, just like, for a variety of reasons where older siblings have to like start working earlier because they have to help contribute to rent and utilities Mm -hmm. and things like that. Like the financial Mm -hmm. element of, of being in this um, like parentified role. Um, So all that being said, it is, I mean, here's like a TV example of it as well, but um, for the, for folks who are familiar with the show shameless uh, it, it, is about a family that um, that lives in Chicago, and both parents are essentially not around. Uh, the father is around more often, but he 
is dealing with an alcohol problem. And so he's not responsible for the children. So the oldest sibling played by Emmy Rossum essentially is the parent for all of her siblings and they mm. range in, in age and they all have like, you know, it's, it's a TV show. So there's a series of hijinks and whatever, but like, it, I, I feel like it's a, it's a, a good example of like an older sibling that essentially is responsible for her family, making sure that they all get to school. And like, because of that, how does that then potentially get in the way of like, like they're still a person, like they still have right. like wants and, and, and goals, but like how much of that has to be put on the back burner because they also have to make sure that like their siblings are alive and well and taken care of. It's fascinating mm. that you bring up what you call, what was called parentification. Mm-hmm. Yeah. New term alert for talking horror, parentification. Because like <laughs> complete, once you brought it up and like we talked through it just now, not only is it amazing how much drama is based on that relationship in so much of the TV shows and movies that we watch, but specifically in horror movies. The amount mm. of horror movies that we've seen where the older sibling is like in some way responsible for the younger sibling. Like um, what are some examples? Um, I was thinking of – I watched a movie called Burning Bright – um, where she mm-hmm. wants to go to college, but like she feels bad because she feels like she needs to stay back for her sibling. There are also a lot of movies where like the parents are in the picture and they feel bad going away because like their their kids are are, are left with them. Or um, Scream Six, she goes away um, yeah, and college, she yeah. leaves her sister with mm-hmm. the you know the bad parent. Um, mm-hmm. Therefore. We, you know, uh, you know, there's there's that reverse aspect of it, I guess, too. Um, but there's a ton of uh, of that in a ton of movies and TV shows like like you mentioned Party of Five. Like there's like a ton of that, like older sibling taking care of younger sibling stuff, um, even in stuff like uh, where the parents are around and supposed to be good parents, like uh, like at least in the context of the show, like seventh heaven, a lot of those older kids were taking care of the younger kids, even though the parents were there and supposed to be good, you know, real life aside. Like I, I, there's just like a, it's, it's fascinating. Now that you brought it up, like my mind is just like, Yes, about all of of these things. (laughs) Yeah. And even in real life, like the Duggars, Mm -hmm. the Shiny Happy People documentary, they literally talk about the parents are talking about how they have a buddy system for the siblings. Mm. And so the siblings essentially. I watched like when the Duggars were on, like 22 and counting, 23, whatever. Like I watched that. It was fascinating to me. It was they're like, taking care. They're literally like changing diapers, yeah. getting people ready for school, mm. putting them to bed, feeding them. And and these girls that were doing this are like 12 years old yeah. and taking care of babies. And it's just like, how does that, like you said, Jamie, people, they're still uh, an individual person. Mm-hmm. So it's like, how is that affecting like what they want? Because mm. everything they uh, want is put on the back burner. Yeah. This might be a bad example, uh, but uh, Lemony Snicket. <laughs> I mean, like they are, they are yes. orphans, but there, yes. there is like a baby that's like the third sibling. So like yep. the older two do have to take care of this baby, um, yeah. which is wild yeah. while they're, they're trying to kill them or whatever. Um, yeah. but anyway, the impact, uh, is great. Um, and not, not great in a good way, like great in the bad way. It's a lot. Yes. Um, sure. but yeah, again, it's like, 
if you like, you might grow resentful of both your, both the, the guardians, if they're around that like should be the responsible ones, you also could grow resentful, like of your siblings for being responsible for them. Yeah, Um, yeah. and like, and, and then it's like really complicated because like, it's hard, you feel guilty for, for, feeling that way towards your siblings that like they're your siblings and you care about them and you want to take care of them. But like, because, because of them, you are also put in this position. So like, it just makes for like a really tense inner turmoil type of conflict that like, I think is really challenging. I think, um, you know, for some folks, like really the only, this isn't like the only solution, but like for some people, one of the main solutions is like removing themselves from that space. If they are, if they like need to disentangle themselves from like a really toxic home environment where they are put in this position, like some folks have to leave home and like, they're like, that's a, that, that's like an extreme example, but it's also like a real example when, when there's just like very, you know, concerning dynamics where, um, where that's the only way that they're then able to live their lives independently and like be responsible for just themselves. There's other folks where like they don't have that luxury for a variety Mm. of reasons. Mm. Um, And so like, I mean, I think definitely expanding your support system to the best of your abilities so that it's not feeling like the weight is entirely on you. Um, Yeah. Because like it is, and like leaning on, on other resources, because even if you're, even if you don't have parents available to help, like there are tons of services that in addition to like child welfare being about removing children from homes that are unsafe, a huge, like the, the other main part of, of that system is to keep family units together. That's actually the primary function of mm. child welfare and the secondary function is to remove the kid. So it's, uh, it's prevention and then protection. So the preventative like services would be to like add on whatever other resources could, could help, um, in terms of like aftercare, like other programs, things like that, financial, um, you know, like help with housing, all of that stuff. So like there's a ton of resources available to like keep family units together and, and figure out how to like remove any of the barriers that are getting in the way of this Mm. being like successful. Um, so like that's usually the route before they go to remove a child from the home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Again, despite the whole system being totally fucked. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that is a lot, a lot of information and a lot to to deal with and process. But jeez, yeah. I couldn't I couldn't even imagine your time like working in that environment, Jamie. Like, yeah, I literally only lasted like three hundred and sixty five days, and then I was like, this is not. I mean, I knew before that that it was not for me, which is why I yes. I ended my time there in a year. Uh, mm-hmm. But man, just that is a that is a beast of a system that I, you know, I still think about it every so often and I still feel very badly because I, you know, in some ways like then contributed to like this cycle of people that, that the young people who are in the system have to interact with and only build these like very temporary connections with before the new caseworker comes in and all of that. So like, it just sucks. It really sucks. And, Makes me deeply sad. <laughs> yeah. 
Yes. Okay. Well, the last question that I have for you, I thought it would just be fun to Billy or Stu, Matthew Lillard's character as a villain in this. So what do you think, Jamie? Is he a Billy or a Stu? Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. It's a scream, baby. Billy or Stu? (laughs) Yeah. um, This is a great question since he is the Stu um, the number one he's stew. stew. Yeah, he yes. is stew. Oh. However, also, also oh, I sorry. did I did misspeak before. I meant to say Scream Five when it was like about her leaving. Scream Six is when she's actually trying to mother her like while she's in college. Ah, mm. uh, yes, 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 sure, yes. absolutely. Um, Thank yeah. you. But so sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. Um, so despite Matthew Lillard being Stu Mocker, I think that in Five Nights at Freddy's. His character is more of a Billy mm. because I think that he has oh, like Billy. orchestrated this whole what? What's that? Is that from? Uh, <laughs> uh, is that from an Adam Sandler movie? Oh, Billy, right? Oh no, that's from the that's from uh, the Cable Guy. Never mind. Keep moving. Oh, forward. Jim Carrey. Oh, yeah, well. <laughs> I've not seen that movie. That movie looks like a horror movie to me. I think it that's is. why I never saw it. it. Yes. It's totally a horror yes. movie. It is yes. a horror movie. <laughs> Should we cover that as a horror movie? We might have right. to. That, that's, <laughs> That'd be a fun time. Yeah. Okay. I'll put it on the list. I'll, I'll tell yeah. It's going um, on the idea yeah. list. Yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think that he has like a whole evil master plan. Um you know, to murder all of these children and then control their souls through like the ongoing work that he's putting into it, I think is very uh, premeditated and, and very psychopathic. So um, yeah, he's, he's a Billy to me. All right. Matthew gets his chance to be a uh, Billy. How fun. <laughs> Excited to see what happens uh, with the rest of the movies. Cause I'm sure he probably signed at least a three picture deal. With, I, I uh, hope he did. <laughs> Between that and his, uh, he has like a, a, is it the whiskey? Is it the bourbon? He has like a Dungeons oh. and Dragons. I think it's a D and D whiskey. Yeah, whiskey. I like it. I like this. And he's in the new Flanagan movie, isn't he? Uh, I think oh. he is. The Trouble with Charlie or whatever it's called. Yeah, I yeah, forget. yeah. But uh, yeah, nice. Well, he's rolling in it. Coming back with a vengeance. The life of Chuck. The life, yeah. yeah. Oh, with Charlie. Who's that? I don't Good know. luck, Charlie. <laughs> um, cool. Yes. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, that's all that I have for mm, brains. Should we rotten to mutton this? Let's rotten to mutton this. To mutton. Rotten to mutton. It's the rotten tomatoes game. All right. What do you think this movie? We're gonna do both. Uh, you just guess the critics' consensus first, and then once I reveal that, we'll try and guess the um, the uh, audience score. So um, the 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 meter the tomato meter, the tomato how would they call it? Tomato meter. The tomato meter. Tomato meter. You say tomato. I say tomato meter. Got it. Um, uh, what do you think this has for uh, its score? It's like critic score. Mm, I'm going to say 52. Oh, I was going to say 
35. Nice. All right. This has a 31% on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm. Loaded with Easter mm. eggs, Five Nights at Freddy's may be fun to watch for fans of the game, but most viewers of any other persuasion will find this adaptation muddled and decidedly unscary. I think that's accurate. Yeah, I, I do too. Yeah. Um, what do you think the audience score is of this? I mean, I was going to – well, God, the critics were so low. I'm going to say 78. Yeah, I was going to say 71, but I feel like it's lower than that. Uh, it's not. It's higher. It's an 87%. Mm. Oh. Yeah. The audience what? says – Perfectly capturing the lore and the spirit of the source material, Five Nights at Freddy's is a long-awaited treat for fans of the games. Yeah. I think it's been a while since we've had that big of a, a gap. gap. Yeah. yeah. I, I just remember, like, s- critics coming out and just really not liking this movie, and I was like, oh, I, I think that there's going to be a huge discrepancy because, like, People people love their things. People love like yeah. their they either have nostalgia for it or like just deeply immersed in their adoration for something and that like mm-hmm. I think talks talks big big bucks. I mean, honestly, listen, I love Mortal Kombat and I love the movie. You know? Yeah. Like so I get it. Totally. <laughs> um well speaking of that, what do you think that people have rated this on average on letterbox as a reminder it's mm. decimal points and out of five 4.6 oh i was gonna say 3.4 uh it's a 2.6 oh god Ooh. yeah there's a lot of critics on letterbox ah, as it. well yeah i feel like that can definitely that could for sure the score um interesting cool uh, should we move to the four S's? Yes. yes. Skulls, scare, shakes, and suggestions. The talking horns, four S's. <laughs> the four S's are skulls, scares, shakes, and suggestions. Uh, we're going to rank them one through ten. Ten being the most, one being the least. Skulls is how you think it handled mental health and human behavior. Scares is how scary was it. Uh, and shakes is how much will this stick with you? Is this a one and done viewing? Um, uh, Jamie, let's start with you. Um, for skulls, I gave this a five because um, mm. I really just felt like there wasn't a ton of people peopling. Um, or at least enough not peopling that like it lost half the points. Um, for scares, I'm give uh, I'll give it a two because I really don't like um puppets. Uh, sure, I really don't like mm-hmm. them. And I think like one or two jump scares got me. Um, I can't really remember, but I I was gonna give it a one, but I was like, no, 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 they're they're creepy. Um, yeah. For shakes, I'm going to give this a five because I I think as someone who knows, like, the gist of the lore, you know, again, like, I'm I'm happy with, like, a positive reception to a video game adaptation, movie or TV show, because, like, there's just really interesting stories out there, and I think this is one of them. And while maybe, like, in some ways I think they could improve upon it, I'm just happy that, like, there was a lot of intention behind this project and like that really mm. sticks out to me 
And it makes me hopeful for other like really interesting, um, to me at least interesting video game, like stories that I hope get adapted, like fallouts getting adapted. And that looks so fucking good. Mm -hmm. I'm very excited. Nice. Uh, what about you, Nikisha? (laughs) Yes. Thumbs up. Uh, also, speaking of thumbs ups, this is so random, but if did you guys know that if you're on FaceTime with somebody and you do a thumbs up, there's like a little thumbs up bubble that comes up? Try it next really? time. Really? Yes. It like sees you do it. It like it's, knows If that you, you are do FaceTiming it. someone and you do a thumbs up or even if you do a heart, it'll like the emoji will pop up on the screen. Oh, that's oh. so weird. It's Jamie very and I might weird, have to but that just reminds me after this just to see. What? You no. must try. If you have the new <laughs> Apple update, whatever, uh-huh. iOS, like it will do it. And I found out in the craziest way because I talk with my hands all the time and then it like mm. just fucking happened. And I was like, that's why. You're like, ew. Right. It's like, what's, what's going on? Like ew. thumbs down, thumbs up, and hearts, ew. it'll show up. Anyway. That's crazy. Uh, that's reminded me because Jamie just put her thumbs up. <laughs> and I was waiting for the bubble to come <laughs> and it didn't happen. <laughs> Okay, skulls for me. I'm gonna give this a two, mostly because I just really hated that police woman, mm-hmm. and I just thought that she just didn't make sense. Mm. Um, scares. I'm gonna give it a one, and that one is for that one bite, the bite. <sighs> and uh, that was a great chomping noise. Thank um, you. Thank you. <laughs> and then shakes. I'm gonna give it a four because I'm gonna remember the animatronics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I gave it a five for skulls. Um, points for kind of like. Uh, him trying always being aware of like missing kids and stuff like that and dreams and whatnot. Um, uh, but it loses five points for the police officer. Um, uh, scares. I gave it a one for the jump scares. Um, shakes. I gave it a six. Um, Mm. I, I think the animatronics were enough to like pull this out of four territory for me. Um, uh, yeah, so that's what I did for this one. And then as a suggestion, uh, you want more Jim Henson? Watch Labyrinth or Dark Crystal. Mm. Um, you've already said this, which was so funny, but Last Shift was my suggestion. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a great one. Yeah. Um, mine went along the lines of like, what is another, uh, object that has a soul inside that maybe you shouldn't. So I'm going with <gasps> child's play. <Sure>. Yeah. <laughs> Great movie. That's the movie that scared me as a child and made me sure. afraid of dolls. Mm. Yeah. It's, that's Please. a scary movie and dolls Still are never scary. Seen it. I've never seen a single child's play movie. Mm. That should be another investment for you guys. Yeah, There's we we still few. need to finish Nightmare on Elm Street, the like not okay. great ones, and then I think Child's Play is next. I mean, or um, continuing with Halloween is another one because I haven't seen four, five, and six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, How or, so much. Or H two O, or Resurrection. Like I haven't seen anything <laughs> between uh, that one, and Season it, of the Witch, or, and yeah. um, and. Uh, 2018. I haven't seen any of the Rob Zombies, right. so that's another one to consider. I haven't seen Rob Zombies either, and I also haven't seen hmm. H2O. Is that the one? Who? What rapper is randomly in one of those? That's Resurrection. I.e. Okay. Uh, Buster Rhymes is in Resurrection. Thank you. Sure. Okay. Yes. Um, that's uh, gotta, what I need to watch. Yeah, <laughs> but Child's Play is on the list because people love those movies. Buster um, like a Rhymes. lot. They're really good. I just said Busta Rhymes. Well, LL Cool J is in H2O. 
Oh, I'm thinking of that too because that movie poster is in my brain. Yeah. For H2O. <laughs> well, it's similar movie posters, I think. Let's see. Probably. Um, one of them, H2O, is uh, it's one of those posters where like it has all of their heads kind of. Yes, yeah. and like uh-huh. the shadow. Yeah. Right, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's H2O. And then Resurrection <laughs> is like a close up on the Halloween mask. And then in the there's a big knife. And then the reflection of the knife. Is the little faces? Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Okay. 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 Mm-hmm. Thank Tyra, you, ba- thank you. Sean Patrick Thomas. What? Oh my God! We have to watch this movie. It's fantastic. All right. Put it on the list. Oh my yeah, God! Put it on the list. We'll do the Halloween <laughs> next. I, th- I think we'll do. We'll finish Nightmare on Elm Street. I'll we'll watch the four, five, and six with you. I have a lot of nostalgia for those, and they're yeah. they're dumpy. <laughs> yeah, we'll watch them. Yeah, um, that's fantastic. Cool. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. I think that wraps up our episode Five Nights at Freddy's. Hope you enjoyed. You can follow us on all the social medias, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, at Talk Horror Pod, P-O-D. And Brian, where can they listen to us? Sure. You can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. So things like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube. Hi, YouTube. Um, but if you listen to us, we would love some reviews. Five stars, please. And thank, thank you. you. Also, I should say, uh, I guess in the end, we all thought it was fine night, said Freddy's. It was fine. Instead of five. I got it. Not good. Okay. I'm I got sorry. it. Sorry, I like everyone. it. <laughs> no, 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 no. Big oof. <laughs> It's good, but it it's, it represents fine. We all thought it was fine. Mm. Yes. Oh, also, this movie also has something that I hate about certain movies. Like, if she if she if she if, she, if the aunt is dead in his house, that's only going to affect like, and no one's going to believe that an animatronic killed his aunt. <laughs> like, you know, it's like at the no, end no. of movies where like you know they like they're like mm-hmm. I survived that, and the cops show up like. He's gonna be like he's gonna be the Arrested. number one suspect. She was killed yeah, in his yes. house. Like, I hate those open endings. Like, thank God they survived Freddy's, but it's also like, no, he's gonna go home and have to deal with all this legal trouble. <laughs> yep. Same and thing with, with that. Get Out. Same thing with Ready or Not. Like, same. Oh, true. But anyway. Yes. That, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Good With stuff. that, we'll cut it, we'll cut it off. We'll cut it off there. Thanks for listening, guys. We appreciate it. <laughs> Bye. 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 <laughs>